and welcome to America's Debate Coach Podcast. I'm the host, Dr. Todd Graham. You can call me Todd. This podcast will be discussing argumentation and debate of any kind, from competitive debating to presidential debates and even everyday back and forth interpersonal squabbles. It's all debate all the time. Welcome. First podcast, let me give you my background. I debated my way in high school and then my way through college on a scholarship where eventually I, after I graduated, got an assistantship to be a graduate assistant at Kansas State University uh, and I helped the debate team a little bit there. And right out of my master's degree, I actually got a job. I got a job at a place called Northwestern State University. It's a smaller university in Louisiana, in the Northwest section there. Uh, and they hired me to be their new director of debate. The president there gave me good funding. And I, I was there for seven years. It was an awesome time of my life. And we actually ended up winning a national championship of debate. It was an overall national championship debate. It wasn't really like a, an individual team championship. Back at the time, it was really prestigious because what they did was they took your top two teams at your top six tournaments for the year they added them all up and whoever had the best program won the national championship so and, and that counted that was awesome but i always wanted to win the tournament so this was in policy debate it was called CETA cross-examination debate association um, we never did win the tournament we were in semifinals and quarterfinals and so that is one regret uh, and unfortunately since we won the overall championship in 1994 it's kind of gotten watered down because as it turns out novices could count toward a national championship for your squad so a lot of coaches are just filling up the tournaments with novices and their top six novice teams from their top six tournaments actually beat open teams for how well they do. So, you know, I, I still kind of count that as a national championship, but it's definitely watered down. But that was my first seven years coaching debate. I really enjoyed it and that was terrific at Northwestern State. Then I decided to go off and get my PhD at Arizona State University where I, I got a PhD. Now I received a PhD in interpersonal communication. I might be the only debate coach in the country with a PhD in interpersonal communication. So that sets me apart a, a little bit. So. After that, in the year 2000, Southern Illinois University, who had always had a good debate program that I remembered, well, they, they it had fallen on disrepair. They needed a new debate coach. Uh, I applied, I got the job, and I've been here at Southern Illinois University as the director of debate ever since. So I've been here for 20 years. I've coached all kinds of debate. I've coached policy debate. I've coached then NPDA, which is which stands for the National Parliamentary Debate Association. It's the largest at the time in the country. I switched over in about 2006. And then lately I've switched the team in 2000, like say 17, we switched over to the British parliamentary style of debate, which is now the largest style of debate in the country. Pretty much I always wanted to coach whatever was the biggest, strongest form of debate. And there's different forms. So I coached in policy debate and we were kind of successful at SIU, but as it turns out, we really just didn't quite have enough of a budget to be successful because you need more card cutters, you need more evidence, you need more coaches, you need more people. We just didn't have all of that to compete with the very top, top squads because uh, you know they just had more evidence than we did. They had more people uh, researching than we did, et cetera. And so my debaters were never quite as competitive. But it, it was dwindling. It was having some trouble policy debate in college. And so it sort of it dwindled down and this NPDA, National Parliamentary Debate Association, became the largest form of debate. And I thought, perfect timing, we'll switch to that. That's right when I got my budget firmed up. I got some scholarships. So I had four kids on scholarships that I could, I could take to tournaments and we could compete. And I had two graduate assistants and we got really, really good. Uh, to give you an example of what kind of debate it is, I just called it policy debate light. So it was still arguing policies all the time, but the difference is you didn't get to bring evidence into the debate round. 
If you've ever done any kind of extemporaneous speaking, it's like that. So we, we would get the topic 20 minutes before the debate and you get a different topic every round. In policy debate that we used to do, you get one topic per year or per semester, depending on how it went. But in parliamentary debate, you get a different topic every debate at the tournament and you don't know what it is ahead of time. So it can be anything from the Sudan to the Supreme Court. You just gotta figure it out uh, once you get the topic, how well to do it. And the difference though between that and policy debate, other than the topic changes every round, is like extemporaneous speaking, once the debate topic comes out, you just have to start writing stuff down. And what you write down is the only thing you get to take into the room. That's it. No computers, no anything else, no files of any kind, just whatever you wrote in that 20 minutes of prep time that they would give you. However, you still get, you got to use your computer. So you could, you could Google things, or if like our team did, you research stuff all the time, you could just open up your file. We have files on everything, files on Sudan, files on Supreme Court, files on climate change, et cetera. And then you would just write really fast everything you could from that file before the debate. Also, you could use coaching. So it was very frantic and I would get to coach the teams and, and it was a fun style of debate. We got very good at that. It was a popular style, schools like Rice, Berkeley, UCLA, those were some of the better schools, and, and we did very well at that style. Um, and then, though, it got a little smaller. Policy debate and this parliamentary debate style became about the same, and a new style came on, and it was much bigger and is much bigger to this day, and it's called world-style debate or British parliamentary style. So it's, again, similar to extemporaneous speaking in that you get a different topic every debate, and you get 15 minutes to prepare, but it's one difference from our old style that we were doing, our, our American parliamentary style, if you were, our NPDA. Big difference is this. You don't get to use computers at all. No technology before the debate and no coaching. The only person you're allowed to talk to is your direct debating partner, no one else. This makes it tricky because let's say a topic comes out and it's about South Africa and you don't know anything about that. Even if I do as the coach, I'm not allowed to tell you or someone else on the team, they're not allowed to tell you. Only your own partner is the only one you can talk to. So it's a little bit tricky and you don't get to use your computer or any files. What they will let you do though, is bring hard copies of files with you. So if you have like fact sheets on lots of places like South Africa or the Supreme Court, you can look at those in your binder and you can bring that stuff in into the debate with you. Uh, but, but unfortunately, since we moved to this form of debate, we also have lost most of our budget at SIU because SIU's had enrollment issues. And so all of the funding has gone down at the university and we've had 10 chancellors in my 20 years here. So the other thing we lost was our institutional memory. So our current chancellor, I've never met. Uh, he doesn't know anything about the debate program and probably doesn't know that the budget is now one fourth of what it was when we were national champions and that I have no scholarships anymore. So now I just take walk-on debaters who have no experience in debating and there's just no way we can be competitive like that. They begin and they don't wanna give it the time, right? Because when, when I had scholarship debaters and I could make them work 20 plus hours a week on debate, now three hours a week is the best I can get out of the team. So you can imagine we went from being one of the top programs in the country to uh, you know, sort of one of the, one of the bottom tier programs in the country when we lost all of that funding. But I'm always hopeful that the new chancellor will, will find out and that we will be able to get our funding back because we did a lot of good for the university. We got a lot of really good press for the university. So then let me talk about some of the brags that the Salukis got. By the way, everywhere we travel, we would meet Salukis. They would see our van. They would come talk to us all across the country. So I know Saluki Nation is still proud and they're out there and they would want to have this strong competitive debate team back. In fact, the Salukis have won national championships in debates 
for the last four decades, in the 80s and the 90s, and then under me in the 2000s and in the 2010s. So here's the brags. Um, I, as a coach, I won an overall policy debate title that was in CETA, Cross-Examination Debate Association. But again, it was an overall school title. And while I thought we had the two, two best teams in the country that year, you know, and we did overall, we just didn't win the national championship. And since then, it's been watered down. So that one kind of counts, but it kind of doesn't as much. But since then, I did when we moved to NPDA, that style of American parliamentary, we won four national championship years of that. Um, and just so you know, there's two national championship tournaments in almost every style of debate. Just like in tennis, there are four majors. In golf, there are four majors. In debate, there are two majors. Don't know why. Um, it's because each is different. One is an invitation only from the top, let's say, 64 debate teams in the country. And the other is anyone can come to it, 200, 300 teams. So in each of those, they count as a national championship. In policy debate, they have the CETA championship and the NDT championship. In American parliamentary, they have the NPDA and what's called the NPTE, National Parliamentary Tournament of Excellence. And so one of those two, we actually won four different years. One year we won them both, uh, which is quite rare. But So we won four national championships under me when it was the largest form of debate in the country. More teams were doing that, more teams were at our national championship than any other form of debate. And we won when it was the biggest form. We beat Rice, we beat Berkeley, we beat UCLA. We were very good. So that's a little brag. Um, uh, other brags. We had three consecutive years where we were the national champions of the NPDA style debate. Uh, the two different tournaments, we won one of the two, three different years. No other university in the country that I'm aware of has beaten that record. No one else has won more than three years in a row of a national championship of any kind that I'm aware of. Um, but one thing I am sure of, and this is one of my favorite statistics, you know how the NCAA basketball tournament usually has like the 64 teams and then the Sweet 16 and then the Elite Eight and then the Final Four? My teams at Southern Illinois University were in the final four of a national championship tournament for nine consecutive years. Think about that. Nine consecutive years, we started that year going, we're going to be in the final four. We know that. Let's work toward it. And we did nine years in a row. And that's a record that no one's even come close to in any form of debate ever, nine consecutive years. I'm very proud of the work we did. But again, it required scholarships and it required a, a, a little bit more funding than what we have now. Even though we were still the smallest program, I only had two debate teams, that was it. And so we had a very small room for error, but we were very good at debate. So that's some of my brags, a couple personal brags. I've been named National Debate Coach of the Year three times uh, and I have a Lifetime Achievement Award somehow as well for a coaching debate. So I've done pretty well for myself. I've coached every form of debate you can imagine. Uh, and finally, I also teach. Obviously, I have a PhD. I teach interpersonal communication, persuasion, argumentation, debate, and public speaking. That's my history. The one other thing, I started writing columns. Uh, they asked me to for CNN.com, CNN Opinion. So I am now a regular columnist. I'm a, not really a columnist. I would call it a contributor uh, because I don't really work for them. Uh, but I'm a regular contributor for CNN after all presidential debates. I've actually been writing after every primary debate and general election debate since 2011. I've written over 70 columns on CNN.com that have been read by millions of people. It's the number one news website in the world. So uh, I'm very proud of that. They like what I do because I can tie it to 
my PhD in interpersonal communication or what I teach in my speech classes or what I've seen in debate rounds. So I continue to, to do that to this day. I continue writing for a CNN.com. Uh, I become uh, well known enough through those columns that now I've been interviewed on television all the time on CNN, on other networks, uh, on the BBC, on radios from uh, radio shows from here uh, in Canada, Canadian television, but also on every other continent, people have called me. So uh, over the presidential debates, I've been called uh, for daily newspapers from the largest papers of the largest cities in the world, uh, all the way from uh, six different continents, from Australia to South America to Africa. So uh, I, I've become pretty well known for my presidential uh, debating analysis. And that's kind of cool. So that's kind of neat. So that's, that's sort of me. I, I'm kind of famous for a debate coach, which means I'm not famous at all, to be real honest. Uh, I think what makes me a little bit different and why people like me is because I have so much experience in different things like interpersonal communication. I can tie any argument to that and we'll be talking about that if some in this podcast. We don't always talk about competitive debate or presidential debates. We talk about interpersonal conflict sometimes as well. So that makes it interesting. I've watched over 8,000 debates in my life. And in public speaking class, I've watched over 7,000 speeches. So I've got the receipts to prove I know what I'm talking about. I'm glad that you are here and I hope you stick with me on my podcasts. I won't talk any more about myself. We'll just talk about debates from here on out uh, and on and, and on and on we go. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, you can get even more of America's Debate Coach if you follow me on Twitter at America Debate or if you like me on Facebook at America's Debate Coach. Thank you very much for listening. Take care, and I'll see you next time.